my fellow film fans, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Andre Hutchins, and this is episode 95 of the Backseat Directors podcast. Today's episode features another writer from the Backseat Directors team, CJ Marshall. CJ is the second writer from our website to join me on the show for a Defend Your Movies episode. The first episode was episode 93 with the formal review. CJ has the task of choosing three movies that he loves, but also have a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes and to defend his movies. As always, thank you so much for downloading today's episode and for supporting the podcast. If you enjoy listening to our show, go ahead and share the love and tell your friends and family about us. I'd also ask if you could take just one minute and leave us a review for the show. I'd love to hear from each of you what you like about the podcast and just your overall thoughts of the show. You can find the Backseat Directors podcast on every major podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can follow us on social media, or you can go to our website at backseatdirectors.com. Also, if you have any comments or questions, just go ahead and reach out to me directly via email. My email address is andre at backseatdirectors.com. Again, that's andre, A-N-D-R-E, at backseatdirectors.com. All right, let's get on with the show. Hey, listeners, sorry, I forgot to mention this, but just real quick, uh, a a disclaimer I wanted to add. Uh, Today's discussion will include spoilers, so if the movies that are on today's uh, episode you have not seen... Uh, maybe go watch those and then come back and listen to the episode. But, uh, I, I mean, these movies are fairly dated, uh, at least 10 plus years old. Uh, but anyway, yeah, just wanted to let you guys know today's discussion does include spoilers. Thanks. All right, everyone. We are with CJ Marshall, uh, one of our writers with Backseat Directors. He actually has already been on the podcast a few years ago, actually, CJ. And I'm, I know you remember, but uh, if our listeners don't remember, this was... Uh, in the first year of the inception of the podcast, but back in 2017, uh, CJ came on the podcast for the first time and we reviewed the movie Detroit. Um, and so, yeah, CJ, it's great to have you back on my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me contribute to the website. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and, and just to kind of give some more, uh, background, um, to kind of like the website and stuff like that, uh, just for our listeners, uh, you, you and I, you know, we started talking. It's funny, man. I love our story because I, I'm trying to remember the movie that we disagreed about, but, uh, it was on Instagram. And then from there, we just like started talking and, you know, uh, uh, Dunkirk, you know, Dunkirk. That's right. <laughs> yep. Dunkirk. Oh goodness, that's so yeah, funny! That's I, uh, so funny. I remember posting a review saying that I thought it was technically one of the most amazing movies I'd seen, but it was it was lacking some emotional depth. And uh, some guy who I never heard of hopped on my page like, "You're crazy! What are you talking about? Don't listen to him!" And uh, yeah, I, I DM'd you, and I'm just like, "Dude, what's the deal here?" Like, and, and then. Um, we had a really good conversation and ever since then we have we have you know contributed to each other's uh you know uh i guess uh, reviews and yeah, and, and yeah. gave each other fed feedback and yeah. and you've been a really really awesome partner in, in helping me navigate this whole thing so i do appreciate you uh, I, I have to tell you i have to tell you though that that um i, I was so new at what i was doing um you know i mean i i've had social media for years but but uh, engaging in in respectable um um or re- respectful and meaning dialogue you know when it comes to movies um right. i was pretty new at that and so i know i came on pretty strong <laughs> in my some of my messages <laughs> on good. instagram but dude, but dude but <laughs> you, uh, here's the thing though here's the thing and this is why i feel like why it's so important to be able to talk about movies um critically but also be to be open to listening to others as well, because you, that's what you showed me, man. You showed me how, how to engage in, in good constructive dialogue with someone who has a different opinion than you about something that means a lot to you, you know, and, and movies, obviously movies mean a lot to us. Yeah. And, you know, we were pretty passionate about our opinions, but, but that was kind of a changing yeah. point for me and how I approached, um, social interactions regarding movies and backseat directors, uh, with people online. And, and honestly, oh, no man, kidding. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, dude. It honestly, it was, it was, it was such a, um, um, an influential moment for me. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I wanted to get you on the podcast. I was like, hey, I want to get you on. Let's remove review a movie together, and 
and we were yeah. able to talk about Detroit. I'm I'm sorry it's been this long since uh we've had you uh last on the podcast, but um I'm just kind of going back to that background uh, just to give our our listeners some more detail, but uh you and I you and I started talking about um Hey, what if we, what if we put together like a team and like, we started doing our own like written reviews and stuff like that. Like some try to try to yeah. be, you know, be more legit about what, you know, what we're talking about, what we're doing. And, and you always told me, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, look, if, if you do this, I'm in, just count me in. And it took me a while. It took me a few years, but finally got to this point. I, I remember I, I reached back out to you. I don't know if it was in December or January of, uh, um, you know, just recently, but, um, you know, yeah. and you said, yeah, count me in. I'm in. So you, I, you were the first person that I, and I, this is no disrespect to any of our other writers who are listening, but, uh, because of how long you and I have been talking about this and doing it, you were definitely the first person I reached out to. And I said, Hey, do you want in? And you're like, yeah, count me in. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I remember. Um, I remember oh, for a while, both of us had kind of, you know, taken a hiatus because we were, we were going at this so hard and, you know, it's not always easy to find the screenings, find the press passes, you know, and, you know, kind of divvy up the things you want to do as far as is as, as movie movie going and, and reviewing with, you know, the rest of your life that you have to maintain because it wasn't a job for either of us. It was something right. that we did out of a desire to to have it possibly become a job or, or, or do it for the love of, of the art of movies. And you know, not a lot of people understand that. So, you know, uh, I had a little hiatus I took. I know you did too, but yeah, you kind of showed up out of the blue, like, yeah, I'm almost ready to do it. And you would always update me. I'm like, let me know. I'm ready. Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> and then, and here we are. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's only going to get better. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I do too. I, I honestly do. And I think it's because, I think it's because of one of the things, I think there's a uniqueness in our approach and that, and this is something that really drew me to you and your reviews as well is because I noticed you, you didn't, your rating system wasn't, wasn't based on like a numerical value or like a star value, which is so common among, you know, among movie sites, you know, whether it's Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb or uh, Metacritic, you know, where these numerical values are given to, to movies. And, and I think, I think it, it influences people so much before they ever see a movie is that, and I think, for a lot of people, how much they enjoy a movie really depends on how, what, what that number or star value looks like, you know, and that if someone enjoys a movie and yet it has maybe a two or three star instead of four or five, they almost feel guilty for enjoying it. Right. And so I, when I started, yeah, when I started backseat directors, I never, I never wanted to give out ratings. I I was here to recommend movies, you know? And so, and I, and I noticed on your, on your um, Instagram page where you review movies as well, you do the same thing. And it was so funny. Our our rating system was almost identical when we first met. You know, we basically had – it was like, go see it. I said maybe wait or yours was a maybe matinee. And I've since yeah, changed mine to match yours. So it's maybe matinee or like <laughs> a no-go. And uh, and so that's uh, that that's definitely something that drew me to you as well in the beginning. And just like that – that movies movies are are experienced individually based on who the person is that's viewing it and just because one person didn't like it doesn't mean another person won't like it either and, right so yeah no, a, go ahead you know yeah no a, a perfect example of that is is the reason i started doing it that way is because i would know people who wanted to i mean when when they know that you review movies or music or anything you're always the first one that people want to talk to. Like, I just saw this. What did you think? Yeah. And yeah, I, when, when I would go into these super detailed, uh, I didn't like it because in act one, such as a, such and such, they're just kind of like, Oh man, I thought it was fun. Right. And you're right. just sitting there kind of just like shredding this, you know, one and a half to two hours of their life that they enjoyed. And you're just like, Oh, it was a waste of time. Like, so I think I started doing it that way so that I wouldn't alienate people who are not as deep into the art of filmmaking as, as other people are. Like I, I still try to give as clear and concise and as I guess eloquent, you know, uh, information to them as far as what I thought about the movie. Why, why, first of all, why did I think this about this movie? That's the thing. But at the end of the day, all I want people to understand is just because a movie is 
good. You don't necessarily have to like it. Just because a movie is bad doesn't necessarily mean you have to dislike it. Like I've seen plenty of movies on an objective level. I could say, this is a great movie. I will never watch them again because I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and, and the, you know, and the, and the perfect, the perfect topic we're talking about right now, bad movies, pe- movies that people think are bad, but that you enjoy. Yes. Yeah. No, this and, is, this is a great segue. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but just to kind of, kind of finish this conversation first though, just cause mm-hmm. I think I, I, you and I, just before I, I hit record though, you and I were talking about, um, you know, kind of just kind of the, the importance of maybe not giving into the current culture, kind of the clickbait culture that we have right now, mm-hmm. just like on online and how a lot of, uh, media outlets, um, um, you know, uh, are, are, are able to attract, att- attract attention, not based on the quality of the article or whatever it is that they're putting out mm-hmm. there, but just, just for quick consumption. And I think that's, that's a, a kind of an, a, a, just a, a really cultural issue that we have that it, for, even for me, it's super easy to get sucked into. You go into YouTube or Twitter or wherever, you know, you're spending your time, you know, and mm-hmm. you see, you see a title of, uh, why I, uh, 10 reasons why I hate Marvel or something like that, you know, just something yeah. so, so yeah. inflammatory, so provocative and, and so, um, just really lack of substance. And yet you're attracted to it because it's, it's kind of a quick consumption of, Oh, what did this person say? And so again, kind of going back to ratings, uh, I, what I found myself doing often is people that had, uh, number systems or star systems aligned with their review, I would just skip down to the review to see what, 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 what did you rate the movie? Well, mm-hmm. see, but if you, if you remove that aspect to a review, then you have to read it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that, that's a, that's a great point. That's a really great point. What, what I actually had to do um, was I gave them all my, my points first. This is what I thought about, you know, I, I kind of have a point system and then I have the, the grade I put that first and foremost. I'm like, if you don't feel like reading, which I know a lot of people don't, this is what I think about it in a nutshell. But if you want to hear what I have to say, here's the rest of the content. And I I framed it like that for that reason, because people see a wall of text and they're just like, yeah, no, too long, didn't read, not going to do it, which I get it. So you kind of have to, it, it sucks. So you kind of, you kind of do both. You give you know, as great a review as you possibly can give, give a good opinion, a good analysis, but then you have that, that little blurb for the people who, you know, are out there that are just not going to read. What did you think about it? And a lot of times too, I think people have already seen stuff and they just want to see if what you think aligns up with what they think, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, for sure. So I think there's (laughs) a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's, those are great points, man. It really, really, really great points. Um, but yeah, you know, like, like I said, this is a perfect segue into what we're talking about mm-hmm. today. And and you, CJ, are the second writer uh, from the Backseat Directors Group uh, to be on the awesome. podcast. And yeah, yeah, to uh, to defend your movies. And so I I, <laughs> I just thought this would be a really fun way to one to kind of uh, again for our listeners to get to know each of you um, of the writers on our team. You know, obviously, um, everyone, CJ and his work, it's published one. You can go to his Instagram at CJ saw it as well. Um, or backseatdirectors.com, his profile's on there and you can look at all the articles he's published so far. Um, and obviously more, uh, as time goes, we're going to have a lot more content coming from CJ as well, but, um, oh, but yeah, this way, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And so now we can talk about some movies though, CJ, that, <laughs> That on Rotten Tomatoes have a rotten score from the critics, but you mm-hmm. still enjoy. So I know you've chosen three movies, and and uh, we'll give a caveat uh, on one of the movies. It's more more of a collection of these movies because <laughs> I didn't know this, but <laughs> all these four movies got rotten scores, which is kind of funny. But we'll get into that. But CJ, you take it away with your first movie. All right, so I will start off easy, I guess. Um, my first choice is Quantum of Solace, which is a 007 film. It's the second one starring Daniel Craig. And I happen to really enjoy that movie. And it bothers me. It doesn't have a rotten score per se as far as the tomato meter. But 
the audience score is pretty low. I think it's like at 58% or something yep, like that. Yep. The audience yeah. side is, is rotten. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's rotten. Yeah. So I have never understood the hate that this movie gets. I think that quantum of solace was the perfect way to kind of bring bond into a new era into a modern era, I guess you could say, because, you know, I grew up watching bond, but you know, times change and I've never really been comfortable with him being, you know, just this swaggering, I kill anybody I want. I have all the toys. I hook up with all the women because I'm Bond and I'm super cool while I save the world every single time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's it, it's cool for a while, but, you know, you get older, you get a little more mature, and it, it's like a shtick. It starts to get really old and, and kind of played out. And when Daniel Craig came in and they did Casino Royale, which I think is just beyond brilliant, I can't say enough good things about casino royale same um i i I think they did a great job of modernizing bond um he's a killer he's ruthless he's kind of cold apathetic and that that swagger and that seduction it's a weapon and it has nothing to do with you know loving these women or or it's about getting the job done uh, for for lack of a better term and Casino Royale had a pretty good balance. But what I really liked about Quantum of Solace was that it started off immediately after Casino Royale was over. I feel like that's the first time the Bond franchise had ever had like a direct sequel. Like the events from this movie lead directly into this, this new movie. And the reason I like it is because it strips away everything that... I didn't really like about Bond because what happened? Uh, Casino Royale, he falls in love. He get oh, this movie's super old. So anybody screaming spoilers, stop it because the movie's super old. Just, <laughs> it's it's two thousand eight. Yeah, there's been twelve exactly. years. So it's super old. Yeah, just, no, you know, definitely. Yeah, no, with. yeah. We're, we're spoilers <laughs> are are free game. Free game. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Okay, so you know he falls in love. First time he's ever opened himself up to, you know, a woman. We know Bond to, you know, just be a ladies' man. First time he's ever said, this woman's good enough for me. I don't need to run around and save the world and kill people anymore. I found love. I'm happy. Then he gets betrayed. And then he just goes off the deep end and falls even deeper into his, you know, kind of secret agent persona. Now, all the while driven by, by revenge, driven by an actual emotion because these earlier movies, what emotion is there really? He's, I'm a good right. guy. Right. You know, I'm a good guy. I get, I get the bad guys and I'm cool while I do it. Quantum of Solace was just like, he was pissed. He was angry. He was out to get the people that hurt the one he loves, which in turn hurt him on, on a deep level. Like, you know, more than any bullets could, any bombs or torture, just, you know, just really, angry really driven and i feel like the movie reflected that bond and i i it was refreshing to me but i always read people think that the the movie is no good the movie is disappointing and you know i can see what they say but for me quantum of solace i think is one of the, the actual best Daniel Craig Bonds. That's my opinion. Yeah. One of the, and I, I, I'm not sure if you ever got this, but I remember one of the bigger mm-hmm. criticisms being of uh, quantum solace was, was, was revenge is revenge is revenge within the nature, I guess of bond, or is that, is that a good way to motivate the character within the movie? Um, and I, and I remember seeing people, talk about this uh as if as if it was kind of mm-hmm. like a detriment to the character of bond but mm-hmm. and and mind you I, I mean i've seen i'm pretty sure i've seen every bond film you know even <laughs> right all on. the originals i'm pretty sure i've seen them at least all once and and okay. I, I grew up i grew up you know in kind of the golden eye era of you know uh pierce brosnan being james yeah, bond pierce and, brosnan yeah you know so so and and but i mean gosh i love i love daniel craig as as bond but i've never felt I've never felt that there is like a singular way to view the character and that he's so concrete as to how we should perceive him that I guess other iterations or, 
or uh, ways of portraying the character on screen are mm-hmm. um, not allowed. Um, but I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. was that something that you t- took away from that movie, or, or was that something an issue that you had? I just I, I, I'm trying to go back and remember, and I do remember people saying this about the character, but I don't know if that's something that you ever encountered. I, well, you know, I, I I do I do agree with you. Uh, I think that Bond, the character, is such an institution that there is a group of people out there who are just like, that's not my bond kind of like, uh, I mean, not to harp on it, but we've been talking a whole lot about Batman versus Superman lately. Yep. <laughs> a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the people saying that's not my Superman. Superman would never do this. Superman would never do that. Batman would never do this. Batman would never do that. Yeah. When you have these iconic characters and someone I, who I feel is bold enough to, take this character that everybody knows and, and flip them around and show them in a different light. I actually applaud that because that that's dangerous. That's dangerous work. If you're a writer, if you're a creator to take something that is so iconic and, and put a spin on it, you know, you're opening yourself up to tons and tons of criticism and scrutiny because there are people who want their bond to tell you know, all the stupid one-liners, martini shaken, not stirred, (laughs) you know, never miss a shot, never have a hair out of place, never, you know, have a button get damaged on his tux. Like, you you know, there's, there's, there, there are those people out there who love bond for that. And there are plenty of movies for that bond to exist, but Daniel Craig's bond is a different bond. Even though the later movies, they've kind of, try to usher him back into the bond that we that we know which i'm not too happy about but i guess we could talk about that at a different at a different <laughs> time but i uh i i liked the approach of the the earlier craig movies and they tried to make it a little more real a little more um i guess deep emotionally you know, making him an actual man and an actual character instead of just this you know this caricature of you know, what is macho supposed to be? What is masculinity supposed to be? What is cool supposed to be? Like yeah. there, there are a lot of, you know, there, there are a lot of people in these Daniel Craig bonds who look at him like, like, you're kind of lame. Like who says that? Who does that? <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, you know what I'm talking about? I appreciate For that. sure. They kind of, sure. they kind of, they kind of poke fun at, at the, at the idea of bond while kind of, you know, keeping the, the mythos alive i guess you could say yeah because no. yeah look at oh go on i'm sorry oh no no go ahead go ahead go ahead finish what no, you're i saying. was gonna i was gonna say um i don't want to get into a debate of you know rise of skywalker last jedi but look at ryan johnson i mean that 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 movie shook the the, the biggest media conglomerate in disney <laughs> to its to its very core i mean yeah. they they canceled projects because people on the internet were screaming bloody murder that their icons got altered in some way, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we, we don't have to get into that debate. I mean, I could talk about that all day, but I just want to say that goes back to why are you messing with my bond? Why are you messing with my Luke? Why are you messing with my (laughs) ring? Like, you know, people grab onto these icons and, and they don't want them changed because they have this idea of, this is who they are. This is who they should be. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It, yeah no, and the, 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 and this is really funny though. I mean, cause for me, I, <laughs> I, I fully recognize that I'm a hypocrite when I, when I have these discussions because of uh, certain stances I've taken on, on argument, arguments or positions. Oh, man. And stuff I'm like not that trying because... to point you out or anything. No, no, so, no, no, uh... no. Because I, I did, I need to admit this publicly. I do need to admit this okay. publicly because okay. I, okay. I, I mean, for, you know, and, and um, you know, everyone on our team knows I'm, I'm a massive fan of Zack Snyder and, and yeah. his renditions of Superman and Batman and his movies. Yeah. Um, and I know his rendition of those characters or those iconic, iconic, iconic characters uh, do go against the grain of perhaps what has been established within comic books, even though I know I, I, right. I'm not, I'm not super um, um, educated uh, in all things comic books. I do know that comic books, all type, you know, all, all different iterations of Batman and Superman. There, there isn't a singular definition within the comics of, of that. But perhaps I think what people turn to more 
is like the Christopher Reeve Superman as you know, right. this is what I'm basing my opinion off of, or like the Batman animated series, which is so highly, highly regarded among Batman fans right. that this is my Batman. Christopher Reeve is my Superman. If they're different right. from these and, but see, and see, cause I'm, I'm one of the guys that had an issue with Luke in the last Jedi because Luke <laughs> out of, out of any fictional movie character, I think Luke is like probably my favorite ever. Like he's the guy okay that like I wanted to be when I was a kid, like Luke was my hero, you know? So seeing your hero, <laughs> you know, not really be a hero was really hard for me. And even now it's still pretty hard for me, but, but like I love Superman and I've loved the different take that Zack Snyder took Superman on. And, uh, and, mm-hmm. but I totally get it. Like when people come at me with those arguments of like, he's not Superman though. And I'm like, Oh, well I actually say the same thing about Luke. <laughs> <laughs> there you go but yeah oh, you know, but luke i i actually think what they did oh i thought we were gonna have a conversation about this uh-oh um <laughs> i i <laughs> I, I, like what, I like what they did with luke because it the way they brought him back around to finally own the fact that he up until that point was the last jedi and he did have like a code to uphold he had an obligation as a wielder of the force and this tradition to fight against evil. And he tried to deny it and it's human. And I, I appreciate that they showed a human side to Luke, Yeah. even if the execution was kind of shaky in spots and, you know, like he's dusting his shoulder off and all this stuff. Like, I mean, I, I get what they were trying to do, but I think the overall, the overall thing Ryan Johnson was trying to do was to to try and 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 humanize him, where where Luke had become, you know, deified. Like he's he destroyed, well, he didn't destroy Vader, did he? But I mean, he he was the last Jedi. He he represented the Jedi up until the Academy, and you know, things like that. Then we get Kylo Ren, and you know. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. And I mean, and it goes, it goes, it goes to reflect that, um, kind of, or emphasize, I should say the, you know, the common phrase, you never want to meet your Mm -hmm. heroes. Um, right. And, and I think this is, it's a great, great example because that's a great point. Yes. You know, cause I, yes. Have people like me put Luke on a pedestal? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was my hero, you know? So to see him, (laughs) to see him struggle, to see him fall, to see him, you know, almost act, uh, I guess, dare I say cowardly, um, you know, it, it was, it was hard. It was hard for a lot of people, including me to, to accept. Um, Mm -hmm. but now you made, you've made some great points. You really have, but, uh, here (laughs) I I wanted to make, uh, some, just a a few tidbits on the quantum of solace. So the movie is directed by Mark, uh, Mark Forster. And mm-hmm. if our listeners, if you guys aren't too familiar with his work, you'll definitely know some of the movies that he's directed. Um, Finding Neverland back in 2004, uh, Stranger Than Fiction with uh, Will Ferrell um, in 2006, mm-hmm. uh, The Kite Runner. Uh, obviously, then you got the Quantum of Solace in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite, uh, World War Z uh, with Brad Pitt in 2013. So. That's that's um, awesome movie. I love that movie. Yeah, great movie. And then more recently, um, he did the Ewan McGregor uh, Disney movie with Christopher Robin. Um, so that's that's his lineup. I mean, def- definitely a talented director. He, he he's made mm-hmm. some fairly memorable films. But um, and I really like uh, the main um, actress in the movie. Uh, her her character's name is Camille. Is played by uh, Olga Kurylenko. Um, but, yep, over uh, Yeah, the only other movie that when I was looking at her, um, just I, I didn't really go into her profile too much, but uh, I recognize her from the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion, that sci-fi movie. I love that movie too. Yeah, same, same. So definitely a lot to love, man. I think you made a great case for Quantum of Solace, you know. So just yeah, at Ron, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, it has um, a total of 292 uh, re- uh, submitted reviews from official critics on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. uh, with an aggregate score of 65% approval. Um, and then, yeah, the audience score, man, with four hundred over 431,000 reviews submitted, uh, 58% approval rating on uh, on the audience side, which is – Yeah. It's a little surprising, man. You know, usually stuff like it, this, it the me. audience is higher, <laughs> you know, higher than the, yeah. than the critics. It, it hurts me. But right, there man. is one more thing I want to yeah, say no, yeah, really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say 
since I, I feel like Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, even though they're two movies, it's the same story. So I've always viewed these two films almost like an Infinity War in-game kind of thing where it's like, don't necessarily judge one or the other, kind of look at the entire story. And I think if you look at it that way, you might get a better perspective on the way that I see it. That doesn't mean you're going to like it, but that's the way I view this. I view that whole thing as a giant turning point for the Bond character, just between those two. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point because that's exactly how Casino Royale ends. It ends on a cliffhanger. And yeah. and the the that character that you see at the very end of Casino Royale, um, I think his, uh, um, oh gosh, I want to get it right. Oh, Domin- Dominic Green, um, Dominic and, Green. Yeah, he he is the main villain in the next one. So I mean, yeah, the story carries right over into the next one. Whereas like the next Bond movie, Skyfall, has nothing to do with these first two. No, just a, a couple of, of of threads and beats here and there, but yeah. the the actual plot doesn't really have much to do with the the first two right yep yep oh great points man no that's that's great man that's great and i do enjoy this movie it's been a while since i've seen it but uh um i i do enjoy it i I think i think you made a good defense of it all right man so that's your first movie let's 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 go to your next one all right my next one is king of the monsters godzilla Okay, now yes, yeah, now listeners, we uh, CJ spoilers are on the table. Okay, so I know this movie just spoilers came out last year, but spoilers are on the table. All right. Okay. Okay. So, forty-two percent on the tomato meter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't because, you know, as long as I've been reviewing films, everybody has always talked about. Oh, that's one of those Oscar kind of movies. Oh, I don't want to go see that. That doesn't look like fun. Uh, there weren't enough explosions. I like action. I like this. I like that. And and so you're like, oh, okay, okay. You're not into dramas, period pieces. You want action, spectacle. I get it. Tentpole movie making, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any bigger <laughs> than Godzilla fighting like a hundred different monsters in the same movie (laughs) and and people didn't like it. I mean, the first movie, I get it. The, the, the Godzilla reboot. I mean, they, you know, I think who directed that Gareth Edwards, I believe. Gareth Edwards. Yeah. The director of Rogue one. Uh So, yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of shadow. There was a lot of, you know, foreshadowing, a lot of mood, a lot of, character interaction in the first film i like that approach i got it i go okay i see what you're trying to do there's this giant monster out there we already know godzilla how is he affecting different people at different points in the world what are they doing to help him fight him whatever i i liked the approach i liked not seeing godzilla every five seconds and you know a, a lot of people they hated that so what did they do they gave you all the Godzilla you guys said you wanted. <laughs> and then you came out of the movie theater and said, I didn't like it. I don't get it. I mean, if you, like I grew up on Godzilla. I mean, destroy all monsters, Godzilla versus, uh, man, Mothra. I mean, Rodan. Rodan is actually my favorite kaiju. So to have him in King of the Monsters, like I was hyped beyond belief because Rodan is my favorite kaiju. Yeah. So... I mean, uh, King Ghidra, Monster X, Monster Zero, whatever you call him, he's in the movie. The movie looks good. I think it sounds good. You guys said you didn't care about the people, so they didn't give you any character development. Exactly. They just gave you a, <laughs> they just gave you a reason for Godzilla to just like stomp on everything and all the monsters to fight him. You guys said you wanted it, and then they gave it to you, and then you said the movie sucks. I. I was so happy with King of the Monsters. Like, I knew what it was. You know, you have, it's like Jurassic Park. You have the smartest scientists in the world doing the stupidest things because plot. I mean, that makes an entertaining movie no matter what kind of movie it is. And so for 42%, like, no, I I just, I can't. 
I hear I you, man. I don't understand it. I hear you, dude. And, and <laughs> it's really funny because uh, I, I really enjoyed the Gareth Edwards reboot of Godzilla back in 2014. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still, I think I've seen it three or four times now, but I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I really have enjoyed it. Um, and I was, I was looking forward to King of the Monsters. I think the trailers, I think the trailers were excellent. I think the trailers really, really got people That's, hyped for the movie. Yeah, that first trailer. Yeah. That's literally one of the best trailers I've ever seen. So yeah. good, yeah. And how they utilize the music uh, just really mm-hmm. enhances that that trailer a lot. So I, I definitely think it got people hyped. But man, th- did this movie flop? And it, it it's really unfortunate. Um, so I, I'm just looking at the numbers right here. The 2014 reboot mm-hmm. of Godzilla uh, pulled in 529 dollars, uh, 529 million dollars. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, at the like their total global box office gains. Um, on a budget of 120 million dollars, so it's decent. That's a pretty good. That's a yeah. pretty good return, right? There was a reboot, new Godzilla movie. Hasn't been one since that uh, Matthew Broderick one back in what was that 1998 or something like that. But uh, there, there was a there was a movie in the 90s. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. I can't recall that ever happening. Oh goodness. Um, and then <laughs> you know, so that one does decent, and actually, actually on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it got a 75% from the critics. Um, but yes, but the main the main criticism from a lot of fans and other people, even critics, said more mm-hmm. Godzilla. More Godzilla. Less humans, more, more. Godzilla. Yes. And, and just like you said, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but that's exactly what they gave you in Godzilla King of the Monsters. And this movie just, it just bombed at the box office. It, it cost almost $200 million to make, and it, it barely made $386 million. So you know a lot less than what uh the first Godzilla pulled in uh, i'm i'm grateful though that warner brothers is still going to give us the sequel because this is what i think a lot of people have been waiting for you know Godzilla yeah. versus King Kong and and i for a That's second going to be big i i hope it is i really do because a, a movie on this scale that was unable to succeed at the box office was so unfortunate and I'm sure all the filmmakers were pretty sad, sad too about it because, again, like you said, they gave us exactly what people clamored for, and and it got it got I mean it just got hammered. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I can't understand it. And and the thing too that I also think about is that um, I I appreciated the fact that not only did they do nods to the older Toho films. A lot of the stuff they wrote, a lot of the things that they did, it was, you know, tongue planted firmly in cheek. They knew they were being kind of corny and kind of goofy with it. And it was it looked like it was just a blast to make a blast to to be in. And for me, it it was a blast to watch. I I thought everybody was in on the joke, but (laughs) apparently, (laughs) apparently not. I mean, yeah, it's giant monsters. Exactly. I I don't know what you want. (laughs) Exactly. It's giant monsters. If you're going to go to a movie and you know, it's a Godzilla movie, what else do you expect? I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I don't think the argument really, really needs anything more than that because (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's Godzilla. It's Godzilla. And the spectacle was massive. I think the spectacle really uh, lived up to the hype. Um, I, I, the cinematography was pretty cool. Uh, oh, like man. you said, the I mean, se- take yeah, the- any, any scene, almost any scene from that movie and just pause it. Some of that stuff just looks like art, like concept paintings. They looks amazing. Like right. that movie is, is really, really nice to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you compare, I guess the 2014 Godzilla to like, kind of like a like a like a cheese board you know just kind of like little hors d'oeuvres and you know and you get to savor these moments where you actually see godzilla because again yeah that's what people said show me more godzilla you know but gareth edwards was being very selective on how he showed godzilla and kind of the tension he was building in the movie where godzilla king of the monsters is we're taking you to sizzler this is an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> You're gonna load up and pile on as much yeah. food as you want. You know, like. And, and some of you guys ate too much, and you felt bad afterwards. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, funny. I mean, shout that's out, funny. you know, shout out to Gareth Edwards though, because there again is that boldness to to take a character, an icon, and put a different spin on it, and that gamble actually paid off for him. So shout out to him. 
Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I agree. Um, so are you, I, I mean, it, from the sound of it, you're looking forward to the uh, Godzilla King Kong uh, movie coming out later. Well, hopefully it's still coming out later this year. We'll see, but uh, you yeah, are looking forward what, to that November, one. November this year, they, they, they're they saying right now, something like that. Yep. Yep. And, and I yeah, mean, hopefully. because a lot of movies are being pushed, I think Black Widow is now scheduled right. to debut in November. So we'll see if Godzilla King Kong come out that same time. But, um, were you, were you a fan of, yeah, they need to move the festivals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It kind of seemed really soon. I was surprised that the, the movie was coming out already just a year after, you know, Godzilla King of the monsters. But, um, did yeah. you like Kong skull Island? Were you a fan of that movie? I was, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Kind of the same. I mean, it, I kind of put on par with Godzilla King of the monsters. It's just one of those movies. Like, like it's just a good popcorn flick. Like, <laughs> You go, yeah. you go, what else do you want to see with a giant ape movie? You know, <laughs> it, it, it's a giant ape eating giant squids, fighting giant lizards. I yeah. mean, <laughs> and people and giant spiders, people, people die badly and people tell bad jokes and monsters fight. You, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. And it has Samuel Jackson in it. Like, come on, fighting against a giant ape. <laughs> <laughs> And almost and almost winning. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I I really, I, yeah. It's it's. I've seen it recently. I think I saw it just a couple months ago, and I was like, wow, this is just a, for the first time. A, no, no, no. I saw it in theaters for the oh, okay. uh, when it came out, but I hadn't seen it since. Gotcha. You know, I, I bought it over okay. Black Friday this uh, last November, and I was like, okay, let's, okay, let's put okay. this on. And I was like, yeah, this is a good movie. It's fun. <laughs> another another amazing looking movie. I might add. I mean, that that Definitely. movie looks great. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, and just uh, just uh, one last tidbit, just some context again for our listeners. So Rotten Tomatoes, Godzilla, like CJ said, 42% from the critics, uh, 332 critics coming in um, uh, or submitting their reviews for the movie. On the audience side, it does have an 83% approval rating with 25,000 plus reviews submitted from the audience side. So. Gotcha. Um, all right, man. That's great, man. Movie two. That was a great selection. I, and I think because of the recency of the movie, I think that was pretty fresh on my mind as well. But uh, okay, right on. All right, man. Okay, here we go. Mo- uh, should I say movies for your third choice? Uh, yeah, yeah, movies franchise, <laughs> I guess. But um, so before before you guys hear this and you know roll your eyes at me. <laughs> I am I am talking about Fast and Furious. It says in my bio, I am partial to these films and I have no shame in that. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I am I am actually I'm going to flip it a little bit. I'm actually not going to try and convince you that these movies are good. Most of them are not good movies objectively, but they have, you know, they strike a chord with people, and I think there are specific reasons why they do that. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, so, me growing up, I've always been in the cars. That's one reason I love these movies so much. Early on, they were pretty much just about the cars, and all the characters were kind of shoehorned in as an excuse to make the cars go right. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason that I enjoy these films. The other thing is from a cultural standpoint, uh, you know, it's no secret. They kind of took the whole, you know, Japanese tuner culture, you know, kind of put a spotlight on it uh, as far as America goes. But me, you know, learning how to drive, living where I live, uh, Oxnard, California, Southern California, uh, car culture is, is major here. And, the stuff that they're that they were doing in these early movies, like I and my friends participated in that stuff. Cool. That's me awesome. personally. <laughs> I, I mean, I I didn't street race. I had a car. I put upgrades on it, things like that. But I myself didn't street race. I had friends who did. I have friends who uh, drifted uh, on the street. Um, got cars taken away. You know, you shouldn't have a or turbo on that car. That's a Japanese motor swap. You shouldn't have that in your car. I've, I've seen all that. I've, I've, I've helped them build cars. So these movies are dear to me because it, it represents a culture that I come from and that I've, I've participated in, but I will say 
I will say that once uh, my friends and I found the track, that's where we left the street stuff behind and we cared more about making cars go on the track because at the the end of the day, you don't want to get pulled over. You don't want your car crushed. You don't want your car taken away. You don't want to crash. You don't want to hurt people. You don't want to get hurt and it's not worth it. So the movies kind of obviously glamorize that stuff. Right. That's not anything. That's not anything I condone. Uh, but if you have a love for for cars, a love for motorsports, the track is where you want to go. The drag strip is where you want to go, and and participate in it that way. And I mean, it's an expensive hobby too. So you, you, the, the the whole meme about stealing parts just to you know stealing merchandise just to have enough money to build cars. I mean, it's it's an expensive hobby to tune a car. It's <laughs> ridiculously expensive. So it's kind of funny from that perspective. But, um, another thing too, that I don't hear a lot about is just the, the way the cast is made up here. You have, uh, I think at this point, um, as the movies go on, there's what nine movies, the 10th one would have been here a little while from now, but now it's been postponed a year. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to come out this month. If, uh, that would have been the 11th movie. If you include Hobbs and Shaw, um, yep. These are movies that this Fast and Furious, hate it or love it, is the number one action franchise in the world in 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 movies. Um, I don't know if you put that against Marvel because that's kind of like a different kind of thing. Marvel's making all the money right now, but yeah, you, Fast and you, Furious. You got, yeah, you got to think superhero movies yeah. or comic book movies, however you want to categorize them. Yeah. They, 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 that's kind of like its own genre right now. That's its own thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Fast and Furious has kind of segued uh, years ago into pure action movie spectacles. So they're action movies now Yep. Um, that happen to have cars in them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, they they always talk about, oh, you know, uh, certain certain color faces, certain types of faces don't make money worldwide we can't bank on this but here you have a franchise where i mean run down any number of characters i mean dom vin diesel he i mean he considers himself multiracial although he doesn't go into detail about exactly what is what his ethnicity is that that's fine and good that's his business but he does not identify as white um Jordana Brewster is of Brazilian descent. Um, Gal Gadot is uh, Israeli. Yep. Um, you know, Michelle uh, Rodriguez. Ty- Michelle Rodriguez, Latina. I mean, I think she's uh, Cuban, possibly. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Latina. I mean, however she identifies, she does not identify as white. Rock. Rock's father is black. His mother was Samoan. Mm-hmm. He represents both of. He represents both of those cultures and and, and all the stuff that he does. Yep. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean? Uh, and and uh, Han Sung Kang, uh, I believe, is Korean. Um, I, I could so. be wrong. If, yeah. yeah, forgive me if I'm wrong. But, I mean, here you have this giant franchise propped up by all the colors of the rainbow. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? All, 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 all the, you know. See, I hesitate to say gender because there are people who identify differently. But, I mean... Women and men are shown to be almost equal in skill, ability, things like that. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, absolutely. So it, it's this it's this all inclusive thing. And as as goofy as the stuff gets, I mean Rock is grabbing torpedoes with his bare hands and they're <laughs> they're flipping car you know, they're flipping cars through skyscrapers <laughs> and, and all this madness, right? And they just keep upping the stakes. I, I think when they they have that corny stuff about oh this is about family this is family, I, I think people that resonates with people because they can look at the screen, and they see people that look like them, and people that talk like they talk, and people that like the cars that they like, and even for me for me and my friends, uh, friends who did it you know went at it a little harder than I did a lot harder than I did, they can look at those early movies. And, oh man, I used to have that car or they even, they even know some of the guys 
that designed and built those cars for that movie because that's cool cool. because the scene the scene is so rich in southern california like i mean I, i i have friends i did not get to do this personally i have friends that have driven with paul walker they used to meet paul walker and talk to him he was one of the car guys just like we were and that's why his death resonated so strongly especially in Southern California because yeah. he was around he was around and you could see him and he really loved cars and that's you know it's kind of sappy but that is why I enjoy Fast and Furious and being invested in those characters since the very beginning you kind of want to see where they take it next but I mean it's gotten on an objective level it's ridiculous I get why people hate it but I love this stuff and, and that's <laughs> That's pretty much why. But yeah, I mean, they're they're doing stuff that I'm just like, really, this is what we're doing now, huh? But I mean, I'm there first weekend always. Yeah, no, so. no doubt, no doubt. I mean, and I guess the kind of the, the running joke is that you know they fully expect uh, the next step, maybe not an F9, but maybe for you know Fast and Furious 10 or whatever. Um, the next step has got to be space, right? They got to they got to take the movie to space because what 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 could be they're bigger than? or or you know what they they might even just go ahead and and jump ahead 100 years and they're all going to be racing like these like crazy like hover vehicles that run on fusion or something like that or electricity like they might even go way out and do that like i mean they can do anything at this point. They have a cartoon now. Yeah, I mean. no, no, they do. They do. <laughs> I know it's it's kind of funny how the the evolution of the Fast and Furious fan, franchise is it's unbelievable. It really is because you go back and look kind of the the roots of the movie. Um, obviously, the first movie it, it's it's a fairly grounded movie and um, an emotional movie. And yes, I mean it is an action movie, but I, I think how how serious the filmmakers were trying to to make the movie is is perhaps more so than than the newer ones and i'm not trying to that's not a critique or anything on the newer ones at all right but, uh, uh, when you when you said that you wanted to choose four movies as as you know one of your options what i didn't realize and i'm looking at the rotten tomatoes page for the entire franchise is that yeah just like you said those first four movies uh by rotten tomato critics they are rotten and oh, yeah. um and they, and, and they get worse <laughs> they get worse so it, it goes the fast and furious the first one back in 2001 is a 53 percent then mm-hmm. it goes 36 percent then tokyo drift at 37 percent is essentially the same but then fast mm-hmm. and furious in 2009 the fourth installment in the franchise had a 29 and that is the mm-hmm. lowest score out of out of the entire franchise but what's mm-hmm. funny though is as the movies kind of get more outlandish um, you know, they push the envelope more, their scores go up. So fast five has a 77 fast and furious six has a 70 furious seven has an 81, yeah. you know? And, um, and so it's kind of interesting. So tell me, tell me why do you think those first four movies are more heavily criticized than kind of the last four, I guess. I, I think, um, it kind of alludes to what I was saying before where you had, you had, they basically had the cars, they had the culture, then they tried to fit a narrative into that. And so it doesn't always fit because I mean, the writing's not the best. The directing is not necessarily the best, but you know, you're going to get fast cars, you know, you're going to get some type of action. And after a while, you know, it, it, it gets kind of stale because I mean, there's only so many street races you can do. There's only so many different models of cars that you can show at the end of the day you really do have to present a story but i think to their benefit they had so many characters who the audience latched onto that they could move those characters into any situation and i think the fans followed and so what i think the audience felt about these movies and what they knew about the movies critics started to figure it out because at that point they're like, oh, we're we're throwing cars out of airplanes now. We're, <laughs> you know, we have these flip cars that are going to run a, a underneath cars and flip them over, and and oh, you know what? Let's now they know how to. I mean, there's okay. So there's a point. I think it's Fast Five. That's my favorite one, the one in Brazil. There's a point where it's like, okay, it's a heist movie, 
But then you have Dwayne Johnson, uh, Rock's character, Hobbs. He has this like super crack commando SEAL unit or whatever they are, DSS. And all the gangsters in the favela like gun them down. And it takes the crew of street racers to save him. So everybody just like picks up machine guns and starts shooting all these like gangsters in the middle of the street. I remember being in the theater. It like it's so stupid, but you, I remember being in the theater and at that moment, like I kid you not, I go, oh wow. So this is where they're gonna go with this franchise. It's an action movie now. That like everybody, that is the point where Fast and Furious stopped being about cars and started being about action and all that stuff. Fast yeah. five when they saved Luke Hobbs. That is the very moment the lights went on in their heads and they go, oh, okay, we're just going to, you know, we're going to take these guys in that direction. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think critics get it. They, they know what they're going to get. It's just an action movie and they just keep upping the stakes and they, they, they don't care. They don't care about realism. They don't care about how silly something seems like they're just going to do it because it looks cool. It probably sounds cool. And they think the audience is going to really like it. And I think, <laughs> I think that's what they're doing at this point. Like Godzilla. Everyone hated Godzilla, but Fast and Furious keeps making more money and keeps getting critical acclaim for giving the people what they're asking for, basically. Yeah, no, and for sure. And, and audiences are definitely rewarding the studio. I mean, the last two Fast and Furious movies grossed over a billion dollars. Oh, yeah, um, they're they're printing money. Yeah, no, it really is. It's, it's one of the biggest IPs that Universal Pictures uh, currently owns right now. And they're definitely cashing in and taking advantage of, of, of its popularity. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, th- I think, I think not, you know, critics and audiences alike, just like you were saying, I think everyone now just kind of knows, okay, like it's another fast and furious movie. Let's just go have some fun. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and, and the critics reviews, I think are reflecting that as well, because since the fourth fast and furious movie, there has not been a rotten, at least on rotten tomatoes, uh, you know, a rotten score given by the critics, which is right. uh, really, really surprising. I, I, when I pulled these up, I was fully expecting there to be more than there actually are. Um, but yeah. no, they, they, they continue to do really well. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, F nine's it's been delayed an entire year. So we'll see it April of mm-hmm. 2021. And, and I, I do wonder what that means for fast and furious 10, because that already, that had a schedule release date for 2021. Um, so maybe, I don't know if they'll do two movies in one year or push that to, you know, I, if, if I'm not but... mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were filming them back to back. So production, they, they might've been in post-production on 10 already, but yeah. I mean, I, I'm not an insider, so I can't say that's a fact, but I'm pretty sure they were filming those back to back. Yeah. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it, it happens next year, but I, dude, I'm, I'm happy you brought these up because I, I know I've been. I've been pretty critical of these movies, but the thing is, is every time I go see them, I have a fun time. Like it's just, they're just, they're fun action movies. They really are. Like, like you, you don't have, you don't ever have to take them seriously. You're never really having to work hard to be entertained. I mean, they're, it's got fast cars and lots of action. What what more do you want? Right. (laughs) Yo, you know, funny, funny story. So, um, uh, one of my boys, I, we, we went through the Fast and Furious Marathon. They they love the movies. They love cars. So uh, well, I ju- we just went through the movies in chronological order. Cool. Um, and uh, one of the boys, uh, he he's talking to a friend of his. He says, yeah, I was at school today. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I told her that we were watching Fast and Furious. And she said, and she asked me, oh, what is it about? And I kid you not, he says, oh, well, it's about cars and <laughs> lots of butts because you know how the camera because every time they go to a meet you know how the camera just shows all the chicks you know shaking it and you know all the male gaze stuff you know yeah for sure um, for sure that, that's you know in his 10 year old mind that's what the the movies are about yeah. and i i thought that was i mean i can't i can't say it's not <laughs> and um as bad as that sounds i can't say that's not what it's about like i couldn't correct and go no i go well i mean yeah kind of i mean the, there's no there's no doubt that the movie caters predominantly toward a male audience let's it, just it, say it, does. it really does yeah it does okay here let me i'm gonna ask you this last question before we end <laughs> sure. but um sure um I, I i just noticed for f9 the director is justin lynn 
and mm-hmm. Justin Lin, he's kind of the, um, I mean, he's, he's directed more fast and furious movies than any other director. Um, mm-hmm. but he hasn't directed one since fast and furious six back in 2013. Are you looking forward to, uh, him, re- uh, taking back his director's chair? Absolutely. Because I believe that he has filmed the strongest films in the franchise. And I really believe that, um, it was him and his vision that really kind of propelled them to where they are now. Because, um, like, you know, James Wan, uh, he directed Furious 7. Mm-hmm. He did a way better job than I was expecting him to do. I wasn't sure how he was going to be able to handle action, but he he knocked it out of the park with Furious 7 and even Aquaman. He did a great job with Aquaman. Um, and F. Gary Gray, I mean, he's... He did uh, Fast 8, you know, because Justin Lin wasn't there. He did a pretty good job, too. But, I mean, F. Gary Gray, uh, I think he's a solid director. But there's not too much that he does that stands out that makes me go, oh, this is an F. Gary Gray movie. He's very capable, very steady, and he's going to deliver something very solid. Yeah. But, um, but Lin, I think, has directed the strongest films in the franchise as far as tone as far as you know aesthetic and uh, i mean he he directed tokyo drift a lot of people like tokyo drift the best tokyo drift is actually my least favorite of the fast and furious franchise (laughs) even even though even though um i love the driving everyone loves drifting all that stuff just overall as the movie it was all these different people to me it didn't even have to be called fast and furious like that that's and then all the things they did afterwards to make those characters fit into the universe. It was a little awkward, but it, it worked out in the end. But Tokyo Drift is actually my least favorite out of all of them. Even yeah. though Lynn, that was the first one Lynn directed. Well, and yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of how, you know, Hobbs and Shaw is a spinoff. They, they, this one definitely feels yeah. like, like a spinoff, you know, I mean, it yeah. doesn't have yeah. any of the main actors, you know, other than the cameo that, um, that Vin Diesel has at the very end, right? Doesn't he show up like at the very, very end of the movie? Kind of like at the very end. Yeah. 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 So and then what's funny is they try and, and reenact that scene with a much older, uh, Shane black and it looks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it looks super bad. Yeah. Well, dude, this, this franchise, man, I think this is one of the most unexpected franchises to ever emerge from Hollywood in the last couple decades. You know, who For would sure. have ever thought, from where it started to where it is now, you know, I mean, truly, I mean, making, I think the last one made $1.5 billion. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it, it is a guaranteed to make money. And as long as nobody would have predicted this. Yeah, no. And I think, I think as long as they continue to, um, you know, have kind of these, uh, uh entertaining, um, what do you call it? Kind of big draw actors. I think, I think mm-hmm. as long as Vin Diesel's in it, people continue to go see it as long as, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham are kind of doing their thing. People are going to go see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, no great choice, man. Really great choice. It, it just kind of, I don't know, man. It, I, I, this is only the second episode that we've done for kind of defend your movie. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I just, I love, I love hearing everybody talk about the movies they love because it just, it, it kind of reinvigorates me to go back and watch these movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great, yeah. dude. Now, CJ, man, it's great having you on the podcast again. That was hey, a lot of fun. No, really, yeah, no, you're, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. We'll try to get you back on again sometime soon, but uh, um, really appreciate it. And listeners, thank you so much for, for listening to today's episode. I'll let CJ um, have the last word and uh, let you guys know how to reach out to him if you want to, uh, you know, ask him questions, engage with him online, and, or how to follow him on social media. CJ, go ahead. All right. Uh, last thing I want to say. Uh, like I said before, uh, you can dislike movies that everyone thinks are good. You can like movies that everyone dislikes. It's at the end of the day, it's how you perceive a movie. It's how the movie makes you feel. And you don't have to answer to anybody for that. So when you're on the forums and someone says something you don't like, you don't have to, you know, just smack them across the head with this, you know, giant diatribe on how this is the greatest thing ever. Like, that's your opinion cool i don't agree and i mean you have nothing to prove to anybody like what you like enjoy what you enjoy that's all i have to say 
That's great, man. That's great. I, I love it, dude. That's a great last word. But okay, cool. Yeah, let, uh, go ahead and let the listeners know how they can reach out to you if they want to follow you online. Okay, um, I'm at CJ Sot on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, CJ S A W I T, all one word. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you checking me out. Appreciate the follow. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all, CJ. And and make sure to go to BackseatDirectors.com to check out CJ's reviews and other articles that he's written there as well. But uh, all right, listeners, thank you so much. We hope you guys are safe and healthy and uh, things are going well in your lives. Make sure to remember to wash your hands. Social distancing is good still. Just uh, better safe than sorry. But anyway, hope you guys are doing well. And CJ, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you guys next week on the next episode of Backseat Directors. Go back to the movies when they open. Absolutely, dude. That's great. (laughs) The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Directors podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.